episode 13, How to Help Homeless Teens. Welcome to the Linda Brightman Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Brightman. God has called me to build the identity of Christians. Whether you're a new Christian or a seasoned leader, let me ask you one question. If I could crawl inside your mind for 24 hours, would I have a good day? Welcome to this podcast. We're going to talk about how to help homeless teens. Like when, you're, when you see one uh, as you're going about your day and running your errands, and you see a homeless teen, uh, what you can do, even right on the spot, um, spontaneously. Today we're talking with Andy Berger, and Andy is in Central Oregon. She has a ministry, a nonprofit, where she helps homeless teens, at-risk teens, get off the street and and get their lives, get a life, get uh, back into community. So, Andy, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you, Linda. It's a pleasure to be here. You know. What all of us see teens uh, on the streets or, you know, walking around and we don't know how to approach them or what we can do. I'd like you to give us some in, some really practical insights, how we can even identify if a teen is homeless and what to say. What do you say to a, a, a kid you see on the street and you don't even know? Well, that is a great question, Linda. And it is difficult sometimes to identify if kids are just kind of hanging out, you know, in the park or on the grass or by the post office, or if they're, they're truly desperate or homeless. But one of the, the simple things I always encourage people to do is, first of all, preparation is very important. So, for example, I almost always have uh, granola bars or some kind of non-perishable food item, protein bar and water in my car. This way, if I'm tooling around town or going to meetings or whatever somebody listening might be doing during the day, if they do come across a young uh, person who's hungry, at least they have something that is safe uh, that they can offer. And it's also kind of a segue into finding out more about the teen. So for example, there were a couple of young people sitting out on the, the grassy area by our post office and they didn't they had clothes that were a little too big for them uh the pants were kind of rolled up shoes didn't look too good hair didn't look like it had been washed you know maybe for uh, a while and so it's always tenuous to try to approach someone but what i did was i just walked across and i said hey you know do you guys know anyone who's hungry or who could use some extra granola bars because I bought a bunch on sale, which I did, and I just need to unload them. And they kind of looked at each other a little bit leery, but then they're like, well, yeah, we, we could use a couple. And so, you know, I gave them some granola bars, I gave them some water, and uh, they didn't want to tell me they were homeless, but basically that they had been walking for a long time. And so I respect the fact that these young people need to have dignity, you know, and need to have some sort of decorum, for lack of a better word. And I usually encourage people, if you do see someone, ask them, who do you know or do you know anyone who could use this? Or you look hungry, would you like a, a granola bar or a protein bar or some water? I happen to have extra in my car. You're not inviting them to go into the car. You're not 
trying to get in their business per se, but the first immediate need for most of these kids is hunger. And then also warmth or clothing, depending on the season and where they live in the country. Um, the other thing too that I encourage folks in whatever, whatever area they live in is to go to local vendors. For example, here in Redmond, um, McDonald's uh, is very, very generous to us. They give us some Happy Meal cards, not Happy Meal, but meal cards. And they allow us to decide who might need a hot meal. And I have even sent hungry kids there that were minors because we're not licensed to um, put them in a car or house them. And they will feed that child for us. So you can have some of those on hand if you think there's a hungry teen. So Andy, are those cards, uh, does McDonald's just give them to you or do you pay for them? Uh, no, in our case, McDonald's just gave them to us because they know our work. They've met our kids. They've hired a lot of our kids, actually. And so they give us X amount and we use them at our discretion. Or if I don't have any, I can call the owner or the manager and say, look, we have this situation. Do you have a few meal cards that I can give? Because here's what's happening. Like a week and a half ago, we rescued a young man who was out of food, out of gas, you know, nowhere to go and all of that kind of thing. So that would be a situation. Now, not every teen out there, Linda, is going to be receptive. So I always tell people, try not to rush the gates, <laughs> you know, give them a little space, but just simply be you, use your heart and just ask them, Hey, would you like a hot meal? I happen to have a meal card, you know, that kind of thing. So, but it would probably need to be walking distance for the kids, right? Right. Or if they have a bus pass or a bicycle, it depends. Some of these kids do, some don't. And that gets into kind of a different area, at which I'll move into. Um, I don't ever suggest, though, Linda, giving kids money straight out. I don't actually suggest giving money to anyone straight out, um, but that's just my opinion from experiences that I've had. If somebody's truly hungry, regardless of age, and they're homeless, they will take the food you offer. Um, I've actually had a few people that were like, no, we don't want your food. We want money. And that tells you right there that there's a different situation probably going on. Yeah. Andy, let me go back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, because a lot of us uh, are, are so hesitant in approaching kids. And from what you're saying, uh, you just don't come right out and say, are you homeless? That you, That's right. You kind don't of do that. Okay, <laughs> that's what I want to hear. <laughs> so it's really, uh, and you and you expressed that they, you know, keeping their their dignity intact. So, so what you say is, do you know anyone who could use a granola bar? I happen to have extra in the car, and or so you know, a hot meal or whatever you have available, or extra juice. Some people carry little juice boxes, just something to kind of open in a non-threatening way. You're asking them, hey, do you know anybody? Which gives them the empowerment to say, yes, I do. Or if they just want to brush you off, they'll just say, no, I don't. And then you just kind of walk away because some of these kids are scared. Some of them are a little tougher than others. Most of them who really want help will be receptive to that non-threatening uh, 
you know, invitation to help somebody else per se, even if it's helping themselves. And again, look at the clothes, look at the face, look at the, the hair and, and just see if you have clothes in your car out here in central Oregon, when it's colder, we have folks that carry extra blankets or coats in their trunk. And so if they see somebody maybe not dressed properly for winter, they'll, they'll just say, Hey, could you use an extra blanket? I've got some in the trunk and I just need to get rid of them kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah, just very simple, very non-threatening. Uh, we had a, a gal that called me um, probably a few months ago. She saw a little girl on the corner with a sign uh, that said she was pregnant and needed money. And so thankfully, this, this lady friend called me and she said, what do you think I should do? I said, well, first of all, here are the places that would take a single, you know, unwed uh, young girl who's pregnant and I would give her these numbers. Um, she did have a phone So clearly, you know, she was able to maintain a phone which a lot of these kids do have um, And and then see if she'll call and then I called those places and said hey You might be getting a call from this young girl. and We'll just call her Jessica for right now and Never got a call. So my friend went back the girl was still in the same corner She tried to offer her food and other things and the girl just wanted money. So it, it wasn't going to work that way and if they don't make the effort to respond then it's best to let it be even though that's going to be really hard for some listeners hmm. wow yeah it is because we want to make it happen yeah and do something well tell me something andy the teens that are on the street uh are have they are they scared and and hesitant and skittish because they have learned not to trust people that is a huge issue linda and also depending on their age they may not want to be found they may not want anyone to know who they are or where they're at uh, they could be running usually from abuse or other situations now there is a population of young people that do the couch surfing because their friends are doing it or they they think it's going to be a different family than what they have by being in the homeless community but as one of my young gals told me when she came through our program years ago, she said, you know what? It's not the family I thought it was, but there's no way I could go back to my family uh, because of the abuse and other things. So she learned a really tough lesson that it wasn't as quote unquote romantic as it's made out to be sometimes wow. uh, um, among these young people. So yes, they are scared. They don't trust. And a lot of times for good reason. And just like adults, there are some young people that have mental issues, but we are not professionals, so I don't claim to know how to spot that. But again, for the protection of both those listeners wanting to help and the teens, you just have to be very careful. That's why I suggest a non-threatening approach. And in that, oftentimes you will gain some trust, and at that point, phase two kind of kicks in, which is have the either national abuse hotline number, uh, suicide prevention number, we have those on our website, or have the local uh, Department of Human Services, DHS number, or other numbers of perhaps shelters that might be in the area, uh, wherever your listeners are living, and say, hey, here are some numbers if you decide you need some help. Andy, what, right now, what is your website? And we'll give it again at the end. Sure. It's BeulahsPlace.org, and that's B-E-U-L-A-H-S-P-L-A-C-E dot O-R-G. 
And on the site, where do they find the phone numbers? If they scroll down, they'll see uh, teen information, hotlines, and they'll see the numbers listed there. It'll say suicide prevention hotline and national child uh, abuse hotline. And they can call those numbers anywhere in the country. And somebody who is a professional will answer the call. They'll protect the anonymity of the young person. Um, and if you need help as a listener wondering if somebody you know is being abused, you can also call the hotline for that information as well. And they'll guide you through that. Because it's a horrible thing to think that a, a child or a teen or a young adult is being abused and not know what to do about it. Boy, that's so good. Um... Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you for those numbers. You know, it seems, Andy, that kids would be, uh, one of the reasons they would be afraid and scared and not cooperate really with you trying to help them is because they don't want, they want to stay out of the system and they've had bad experiences in the system. Yeah. Yes, we have a lot of young people that we run into where foster care was not a good experience. And just like any other organization that tries to help, every organization is run by humans and not every human has the best intention of the child at heart. Yeah. So some Sometimes there's abuse. Sometimes people do it for the money. But there are also a lot of good people out there who want to help genuinely. And so it's a matter of weighing uh, the benefits. So when you talk to the kids on the street, so you, you give them something, you know, water or a granola bar or blankets or a jacket or just depending on the situation, depending on the time of year and where, where you live uh, or a uh, card, uh, a meal card, if you can do that. And then, um, then you give them a hotline or you call the hotline. Well, it depends. If they're a little skittish, I will offer them a card and say, here's my card, first of all, with Beulah's Place. But if you don't have a nonprofit and don't have time to start one, then yes, give them the card with the number. Um, even St. Vincent de Paul, they're a great resource in almost any community I've been in. They have you know, food and they have people that are more skilled at helping. So any of those numbers in your community that would uh, help, I would have that on a little card, like a business size card, and I would, I would make some up and hand it to them and say, look, if you know anyone who needs help, I just want you to have the information. And then depending on the response, if there's engagement, because a lot of times these kids will not look you straight in the eye, but if you do happen to feel like you're making that connection, Linda, then you can go a step further and say, would you like me to call or would you like help getting to one of these places? I would not put them in your own car, but I would find a way you know, whether it's a bus or a taxi, you know, something like that, you know, to get them there or walk with them if it's within walking distance. Say, I'm, you know, happy to walk you over there or, you know, here's the address or the phone number. And if you need help getting there, we'll figure that out together. Now, so then can, that's, a good, yeah. How can you assure the, the young person that getting in contact with one of these groups, St. Vincent de Paul or anyone, is not going to get them back into the system because they're underage. Well, if they are underage, our group is the 18 to 23 year olds where everything has stopped for them. But the underage is tricky. A lot of times, we, uh, as harsh as it sounds, is we have to call the 911 and call law enforcement and say, look, you know, there, there are some young people or I, I ran across a young girl. What should I do? Because 
according to this person or this young man, there's abuse and they're, they're frightened. And then they would probably usually get DHS involved, Department of Human Services, something like that, or Child Protective Services. The, the minors are really tough because they're not legally 18. They can't say, I'm an adult and I can do what I want. So they're going to be even more uh, skittish than the older teens. Yeah. Do you, what do you find is most on the streets? Is it older teens or the younger ones or both? Well, with all of the economic ups and downs in recent years, we have a lot of families with minor kids that are homeless and they're either in camps or they're trying to make it work. But in my experience, I see more of the 15 and up on the streets. And most of the time, there is some kind of abuse, neglect, or abandonment going on. Not always, but most of the time. I would say the majority is that there is some threat that has caused this child to run. And I've also had kids that have run and been sent back by, you know, unfortunately, uh, people that were well-intentioned, but not knowing the full story at the house. And so it just really depends. And it could be as simple as a kid being on the street because both parents are alcoholics and, and they're not taking care of the child. So they have a lot of free time and they're looking for support. They're looking for affirmation. They're looking for anyone to care. So they will go and start trying to find their own community, which is how a lot of this happens. So Andy, once you, you know, you said to be prepared, have water and protein bars or granola bars in your car and maybe some blankets or you know throw some some things in the trunk and then you uh see if you can give them a card information on the teen hotlines right and then ask uh if they're hesitant if they would like you to call for them okay what then what do you do i mean it seems like we don't want to just I, I would think for me, walking away at some point would really be hard because I don't want to get, I want to really do something knowing I was helping them. Exactly. Well, this is why we want to make sure that when they're approached, that the information you have either on a card or in your phone that you can, you know, transfer to them uh, is accurate. We don't want to send them someplace that they're going to get rejected at or that won't help them. So you really have to know your information. And let's say you're living in Kansas or you're in Colorado or wherever, you want to make sure that your information locally is absolutely accurate. And then this is what, again, part of preparation is talking to your local law enforcement or talking to the vendors like you know McDonald's or Subway or whoever and finding out who's willing to be helpful. Uh, but going back to what you were saying, after you've done this, the, the young person is either going to be responsive to wanting help, at which point you can stay with them and make the calls or find a way to get them to a shelter or a church or, or wherever the safe place is for that age group. Um, or they may say, thank you, and I'll, you know, I'll think about it, or I'll take, I'll take the information. And usually they'll just take the card. And they may still not trust you, but they will at least have the information for them to call. And sometimes, Linda, just like in faith or anything else, sometimes we're called to plant the seeds, but we may, we may not get to see the outcome. And that's the only encouragement I can give listeners is sometimes just doing that little bit will make the difference in that person's life, whether you ever see them again or not. Do you ever write then 
ask them if you can pray for them or have they been approached a lot when they're on the street by, you know? That is a great question. And I think it depends on the response from what I feel from that particular individual. And a lot of times if I don't get to pray with them directly, it, it's a, it's a Holy spirit thing. I wait for him to kind of nudge me and, and I will say, Hey, can I, can I pray for you for your night, for your day, for whatever is going on? Um, or you know what? I'm really glad I had a chance to meet you today. And if it's okay with you, I'm just going to pray for you. And, and sometimes they don't know what to do with that. Sometimes they kind of back up like, oh my gosh, a church person. And a lot of kids have been hurt from church. You know, I was in my life. So, you know, we have to be respectful that they're not rebellious. They're just scared or they've been hurt and they're angry and they have all those emotions we would have. So at that point, sometimes it's like, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. But hey, if you happen to be here tomorrow, you know, I'm going to swing by just to see if you're here and uh, I'll have some more food with me. Something like that. You just have to really gauge the response to you. Some of them will start crying and tell you their life story, which is awesome because it's a release and that gives you more detail of how to help. And other times they'll be walled off. So it's really a discernment issue, Linda. Boy, that's so good. And I think I just, I hope as you people listening uh, to this podcast are encouraged um, and because as you listen to this, because if they are closed off, they're not rejecting you. They're just scared. And this is giving us practical tools on what we can, you know, what we can do and say when we go out into the world, because these kids are scared, they are desperate. And, and Jesus said, what you do for the least of these you do unto me. And so he's really called us to have our eyes open and be watching and looking and following the leading of the Holy Spirit as to who to talk to, how to talk to them, how to be with them. And we're like living Jesus on the street, our hands and our face and our eyes and, and how we speak to them. Um, we're representing Christ and um, absolutely tender, tender hearts and, and these kids, he loves them and he planned them and he, he created them in their mother's womb. And just, it's like when we see them, they are treasures. They're hidden treasures that God, you know, puts before us, opens our eyes to see uh, them sitting there. And I think today, after even listening to this, that with our listeners, their eyes are going to be open more and more that they'll be watching and seeing who is out there. Uh, who's, who is God putting in their path? And now they have some practical steps to take as to what to do. So Andy, do you have any last uh, suggestions? Uh, I do actually. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I do. I have a lot of ideas, but there are two I do want to bring up because a lot of times for the listeners that already have teenagers in their house or they, they, are in the process of becoming teenagers. These young folks are great spotters, as I call it. They will know who in school is homeless or struggling or 
having issues and sometimes an invitation to come over and, you know, have a pizza or something like that. You know, clearly you want to know a little bit more about the background, but there are those kids that seem to end up at your house all the time because they don't want to go home. And there's usually a reason for that. But they're also the kids that maybe nobody else really gives attention to because maybe they don't dress very well or their clothes are old or they don't, you know, maybe not smell so good because they haven't had a chance to have a shower or something like that. Or they don't have designer tennis shoes or they're not playing sports uh, because as a young man, maybe they don't eat enough. You know, there's just all kinds of things. So the, the teenage population around you, around our listeners, is very good for finding out who needs help and, and learning how to be Jesus to them. The other thing is we've had a couple of churches up here and it doesn't have to be a church. It could be a school. It could be um, a, a boys and girls center. It could be anything. They would have a once a month teen feed night, meaning any teenager can come in, no questions, no judgment, no age requirement, and they would have hot dogs or hamburgers or pizza, and whether it came from vendors who donated or it came from that establishment, it would be a movie and food night or game night and just a way to invite the, the teenagers and the kids that may be on the street into a safe environment and just have fun, get fed, meet some other people, and without being preached to. They didn't bring up anything about religion or faith. They just acted that way. They just represented Jesus. They fed and they fellowshiped. And that was one way to get a lot of kids at one time in one area and help us identify, you know, who they were and where they might be so that we could possibly continue ministering to them. So that's just another idea for anyone out there that does like to organize and do things like that. That's great. You know, I think, boy, the big key is really being prepared. It's just having things in your car. That's the first step. Yes. And it's so easy to prepare. I mean, we can all pick up water and granola bars at Costco. So, boy, I, I so appreciate this. And uh, thank you, Andy, for joining us today. And again, uh, Andy's website, can you share it again, Andy? Sure. It's Beulahsplace.org, and you'll find information there. And if any listener has a question from anywhere in the country, feel free to give me a call. I'm happy to share any information I have. Okay. Thank you so much. So I just want to say a, some, a few words to the listeners out there and really pray over you and encourage you that this is, this is so easy. It's something we can all do without, we don't have to have a nonprofit like Andy, but just that God would turn our hearts towards the world and pull ourselves out of our uh, everyday to-do list tasks. Because when we're running around town, we're on our to-do list most of the time, running to an appointment or getting things done that we need to do. So I just want to pray, pray over us uh, as believers. So Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to open our eyes to really see. Open our eyes to see what you see and that our hearts would be so connected to you that when we see people, we just feel that, that tug, that alignment with your heart for that person. And God, give us um, the bravery, the boldness, the courage 
to go and speak and love and reach out and to just love the one you put right in front of us. And I thank you, Father, for your wisdom and your revelation, your compassion. And we, we receive your, the word uh, that you spoke to us about what we do for the least of these we do unto you. So, Father, give us a heart for the least of these. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your presence, your blessing, your guidance, your love, and your, your life-changing, life-transforming power at work in us and in work, at work in those whose paths we come across. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, you guys, we'll see you next week on the next podcast.